0: Love Talk Radio.
1: Tenth edition of Rubber Guard Radio. I'm your host KZ. This episode of Rubber Guard Radio is brought to you by our sponsors, WrestleWarehouse.com, um, uh, independent DVDs, Lucha DVDs, uh, all kinds of different stuff, uh, Lucha Libre masks, uh, pretty much anything you, you want to get your hands on. Uh, within the next couple weeks, uh, there will be a major announcement from the uh, family of uh, WrestleWarehouse.com, and the other sponsor would be FogCityWrestling.com. Keep your eyes out on what Fog City's got going on. Uh on the line I have my co host and tag team partner, Alex Saint. What's going on, Al?
2: What's uh what's
1: up watching the TNA Impact, baby. Are you really? Did you watch yeah, the Ultimate Guerrero match yet? Uh
3: no, Ultima Guerrero had roughly <sighs> it. Uh the, the first it's uh, Guerrero and Cavs coming up later. But the first mm-hmm. match was Yoshino and Doug Williams, which was not a good matchup Money. at all in my opinion. And mm-hmm. um Taylor Taylor Wilde just had a match, and I think that's a porn star's name. That has to be a porn star's name.
1: Mm-hmm. But she just beat so, Awesome Kong
3: for the belt. And
1: so was it? Uh, was it Doug's fault, or was it Yoshino's, or they just didn't click? Uh,
3: I, just, I just, I just,
4: don't think it was. A, I,
1: just, I mean, even looking at, it, I mean, if you look at, the, if you've ever seen either of the
3: guys wrestle before, you would just know that that wouldn't be a particularly good match It wasn't a bad match. Both guys worked real hard. It just wouldn't be a match that I'd put together. You know what I'm saying? I think Doug Andrew. works better with a. Uh, Maybe guys who are about his size, but the kind of grapplers, you know, because I've seen them mm-hmm. in not strong, but, you know, just like wrestling matches that are real good. And Yoshino's know, real quick. And I think Yoshino, mm-hmm. you know, should be put against the smaller, quicker guys. And Doug, you know, guys are going to sit there and wrestle around with him for a little bit. I mean, I don't if know ever, if Doug well, your best guy to be on impact because of the short if, matches.
1: Uh, am I the only guy with a hard-on for the machine guns and Los Guerreros? I haven't seen the match. I can't tell you. It, oh, it hasn't It hasn't happened yet, but it will. But on okay. the line, uh, this guest is coming on. I do need to know, was it Forrest Griffin or Rampage Jackson that won? What do you think, Mr. DeNucci?
5: Oh, Forrest. Really? It was Forrest. Forrest, yeah, without a doubt. As far as who won the fight, well,
1: in, I in my opinion,
5: awesome. my, yeah, I thought Forrest won the fight.
1: Okay, cool. Well, we do have on the line the, uh, the man that carries... Brian Fritz's skinny ass and Dickerman on betweentheropes.com. Mr. Vito Danucci, welcome oh, to the shabby. show again, brother. How what's you doing, sweetie happens,
5: fellas? How you been?
1: Oh, doing all right. man, busy good. as a son, bitch. Good, good. Busy as hell, and uh, you, your kids will find out what I've been up to in a couple of weeks. I can't quite announce it yet, but uh, we have some big plans in the in the works. But, um, so what's going on out there in Florida, man?
5: Of stuff, buddy. It's, it's it's been a busy uh, busy little bit of time here. We've had a lot of good stuff going on. You know, we uh, our show we made our switch and we've been on ESPN uh, since February. You know what's going on there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually, on a personal basis, just uh, just moved south myself. I've been in Orlando since '90, and I just moved down to lovely coastal South Florida. I'm in Boynton Beach now. And, uh, hey,
3: Vito, i got to know, now that you all have the webcam up, how many, uh, how many, mail, how many letters have you been getting from the women who listen to Between the Ropes?
5: You know what, dude? i, I got to say, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm getting older. So I, don't, I don't hide the fact that I'm, I'm damn closer to 40 than 30 now. But the beautiful thing about being on Between the Ropes, uh, my, my favorite part of it is the fact that you know, while, while I may not look as good as I used to, I, on my worst day, put both those clowns to shame. <laughs> so if 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 anybody's getting any attention from the ladies on the BTR crew, it's definitely me.
1: Tremendous. And the you boys, know. the boys are looking at Fritzy.
5: Uh, yeah, they might be. You know, <laughs> they teach their own, I guess. God bless them. What, what's the Seinfeld line? Not that there's anything wrong with that, but
1: <laughs> <laughs> tremendous. Jigger, we got
5: we had a did uh, what's your name? Gina Carano. Did um, oh, some, some some fan of the show uh, ran into Gina at the Elite XC show, you know, afterward or something along those lines. And uh went up to her and said something about, "Hey, you know, I want I want to send this clip to uh to the show, you know, and she may he mentioned the show and she's been on with us a couple times. She goes, "Oh yeah, I know those guys." So he got Gina to come on there and do a soundbite basically saying, "Oh, you know, love between the ropes, especially that hot Dickerman and all that." Uh... <laughs> Dickerman heard the recording and and I I don't think he's calmed himself quite yet,
3: but uh you know, every time I see that. Gina, every time I see Gina, I get the overwhelming feeling that like I would love to to save up enough money to have her just move in with me, so she wouldn't have to fight anymore. Uh,
5: yes, yes, she's she is not a hideous girl by any stretch. Uh,
1: oh my god! I'm goodness. waiting for Playboy to do uh, you know the girls of MMA. Oh my god! I'll call up Hugh Hefner right now and suggest it to him. I heard the <laughs> fuck out of that. Well, I mean, Elite <laughs> XC and Strikeforce do have a relationship with Hefner, so Absolutely. you never know.
5: Absolutely. Yeah, hey, be- you know what? That's the beauty of it is there's kids there's to be, you know, it, 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 it's, it, I don't care what any guy says, it, it, it makes a girl that much hotter when she's, you know, good to look at anyway, and you know she could probably kick your ass. You know, there, <laughs> there there, there's go. something inherently hot about that. You know, I don't care if guys can admit it or not, but that's what everybody thinks about Gina. Gina's gorgeous, but you, you I, know in back your mind. I would,
1: let Gina, mind, put me, I would Gina. let Gina put me in the rubber guard any day. <laughs>
5: I'm, no, sure. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm sure, which, you know, proves your inherent straightness. God bless you. <laughs>
1: there it is. There it is.
5: Nice. nice. All right, so, hey, I, I got to ask. I mean, I know we'll talk about other stuff, but you asked the Forest and Rampage question right off the bat. Just judging by your reaction, I'm guessing you thought Rampage won?
1: I, ca- I scored it a draw.
5: Did you really? Okay.
1: Do, yeah, due to Forest getting the 10A round in the second. So
5: Absolutely. I, judged it
1: a, I judged it a draw.
5: So what, what rounds did you give to Rampage?
1: Oh. Uh, one. Okay. And five.
5: Okay, so you gave him one and five. And you they obviously spend. gave Forest round two. Out of ten. Okay, and then what about three and four? How'd you go with those?
1: Oh, uh, rampage for four, and then Forrest with uh, third. Okay, so, so now that I, should you know, even out.
5: Pers- you know, Personally, I, I'm, I'm with you 100. One and one and two seem to be pretty consensus. I I gave. One to Rampage. Two was obviously all Forrest, and yeah, I, I put that as a 10-8 myself. Three I also gave to Forrest, which pretty much seems to be the consensus as well. Four I also gave to Rampage, and that that seems to be a pretty big consensus as well. Now, five? I fives to me, seems to be the round that is most debated in that fight. Um, I, to be dead honest with you, I... I had to add a very snug, and when I say snug, meaning secure, 10-9 for Forrest. I, I thought Forrest won round five hands down. Um, I called at the beginning of that round. I said, I think Rampage, he's tired, and I think he's going to try and bust ass the last minute and a half, and it was actually more like the last 45 to, seconds to a minute, and he tried to steal the round. And even then, where he was busy in that last minute or so, uh, Ramp- uh, Forrest is right there with him, but I, truly, if you watch that fifth round, Rampage did nothing but get hit or take kicks to his legs for the first two and a half minutes of round five. Fight in the year? Um, right now, probably. As of now, probably. I, I have a question
3: for both of y'all. Who, do you, who, who in your opinions, was uh, the better win for you? Because, I mean, I was drunk during the fight, so I'm I I'm I'll see it another time. But, uh, <laughs> I was too, but I still knew what was going on. <laughs> I have no idea who even was in the in the semi main, but um, I, I was wondering who who in your opinions was the, the better win for UFC because uh Quentin, while he is a very good promo, I always had believed that he was at the trail end of his career already. Anyway, his uh, his most dominant days doing, being during Pride. As for what I see, Forrest is maybe a guy. Every time Forrest fights, I see him just get better and better, and I see this guy just being completely on the rise. So I feel like the right guy did win on Saturday. What, what are you guys' opinion on that? Uh, I, I
5: know on my end with that, Alex, I, I would say, personally, I think it is better that Forrest won for UFC. And and a lot of the reasons you're saying I completely agree with. Uh, you know, Forrest, is he's a guy, and you know, he came on the scene with a bang. That fight with him and Stefan Bonner, I, I think is widely as acknowledged as that's the, the MMA fight that really really opened the eyes of the general public to MMA.
1: Yeah, it did light like the fuse. Yeah. It did light like the fuse.
5: So that, you know, that, of course, is is going to always be a big part of Forrest's legacy. Uh, but I agree. He's gotten better and better as time's gone by, and, and his losses have always been followed up with great improvements. So he, I'm, I love him as a fighter, tough as nails. Obviously, he proved yet again – the man can take a punch. I mean, he, he took some uppercuts in that fight that were vicious. Uh, and really, you know, a couple of them registered to him to where it was like you knew he was hurt. But but besides those, and even then, he, he bit his time and recovered well. Here's the thing that it struck me, and I don't know if you guys caught this or not. Uh, Fritz and I discussed this on the online show we did after, uh, the day after the fight. Um, Rampage did ESPN News on Friday. Uh did did an interview on ESPN News Friday, and they've, they've they've had him in and talked to him a few times. They like him. He's good copy. We all know that. Um, but Rampage, he committed to me, which is the unforgivable sin of a champion in boxing or or MMA that's trying to help pump up a pay per view, and that is he got on ESPN and basically said, well, you know, they asked him about Forrest Griffin. And he said, well, you know what, he, he's really not even one of the better fighters in this weight class, but they got the whole Ultimate Fighter thing, the coaching thing, and, you know, it is what it is, so he's going to be in there, but, yeah, I'm going to take it to him. You know, he, he's truly not even one of the, what I would call the better fighters in my class. And while on the surface, that can be just, oh, man, he's confident, he's cocky. Hey, you know what, you're in the business, and, and, and shame on him because he gets money, out of pay-per-view buys. All, all champions have that in their deal where they get bonuses based off the amount of buys of the pay-per-view, live houses, all that kind of stuff. That, that's, no, that's not news to anybody. So, A, you're, you're denigrating your opponent. You're hurting your own pocket in theory because you're basically telling fans, hey, you know what, this isn't a fight, man. This is something i got to do, but this guy's not in my class. It's a waste of time. So you certainly aren't doing the house, the, the buy, I should say, any favors. You're hurting yourself, but you're hurting the company. And you know when a guy comes out and says those kind of things, it's not making the Fertittas
3: or Dana White happy. I, I have to tell you this, is that when I hear something like that, I, I generally I don't, I, don't, I, don't, uh, I don't voice my own reactions because obviously have, I'm kind of in a bubble, so I have different reactions than everyone else. I talk to my friends who don't necessarily follow as closely as I do, because that's ultimately the, the people who buy the stuff. And that's ultimately the people, and you know, opinions who kind of matter. And then that night when that interview happened, my, my friends, they were, they were really just taking a gasp. They were like, this isn't the Quentin that we know and love, and he yeah. came across differently. So, I mean, it was definitely, definitely a, a bad mood. I'm, I'm not quite sure what brought that uh, upon Quentin, if he was just tired of doing all the interviews or if there's something else going on with him. But, I mean, it's just really unfortunate because uh, he kind of took a hit on
1: that day. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think that the, the rematch is going to draw a whole lot of money, and I have the feeling after that Rampage is going to hang it up. Really? The, but either that, or you know what? Either they give him an immediate rematch, or they put him in there with Vanderlay because that's something that he needs to to you know take care of.
5: Yeah, well, I I think, and it'll be interesting because you know, and I and I would agree that in the case of the the, the potential for an immediate rematch, you certainly can make the case. And it makes a lot of sense. It was a good fight. Uh, I, I've seen a few people out there that have tried to actually make the case that, oh, you know, Quentin got robbed, and uh, which is, is garbage in my opinion. You know, you, you've made your case for a draw. I don't necessarily agree with that, but I can. It, it, it's reasonable to me. I, I can see the argument. For the people that are going to come out there and try and sell, you know, the alleged experts are going to come out and try and sell that... You've got you know, that, that, that Quentin got robbed on this. That, that that just you lose your expert status. You know he, he didn't get robbed. He didn't get screwed. Truly, he lost the fight. If you want to make a case for a draw, you can try. That's fine. Don't don't try and tell me that he got hosed and that he won the fight. He didn't. Um, UFC has gone away from the automatic rematch. You know that used to be something that you'd see more of. Boxing, it's always been the rule. You know a champion loses the title. There's an almost immediate rematch. Um, the UFC's gone away from that now. You know, even with Chuck Liddell, who is, you know, let's face it, he's Dana's boy, he's been the franchise, and, uh, you know, he, he didn't get his immediate rematch. I don't think he wanted one. You know, I think he wanted to figure out what, what it was that, uh, that, that, that Rampage had on him. But so for that reason, you know, their recent history has been no immediate rematches. I'll be a little bit surprised if there is an immediate rematch. I know they would like to get Rampage and Chuck together again. Because uh, they feel like they can make money there. I know that, that obviously the the Vandalay Rampage thing has, has certainly got some promise, particularly given Rampage's. I mean, uh, Vandalay's incredible, just wow performance when he knocked Jardine stupid. Um, <laughs> so that you know that that's you know there's there's other fights out there, and I could see them in theory trying to make both of those happen um, before they go to a rematch. With uh, with Forrest, and and it'll be interesting because it's a real quagmire now. You got a lot of guys that can legitimately stake a claim to hey, you know, I want a shot at the title. I'm, I'm next. And um, I don't know, man. It'll be very interesting to me to see what happens and when it happens. Um, I, I don't know if Rampage will hang it out real fast. Um, I, I don't know. I I hope not. But yeah, I will say this, and tell me if you guys agree with this or not. Mm-hmm. I think what you saw out of Rampage is who he is, and that is he's a great puncher, he's got great power, but if you can weather his storm, if he doesn't hit you on the button, then you can beat Rampage. You
1: know, I think the leg, kicks, the leg kicks showed vulnerability.
5: Oh, big time. Big time. I mean,
1: and that's, that's no joke. I mean, that's major vulnerability.
5: It well it's I, I heard somebody talking about it after the fight So you know he seemed he seemed una, unaffected really you know round three he was wary, but he didn't take much damage, and round four he was fine, he didn't show damage until the fifth round, yeah, because howdy Duty went back to banging his shins the whole fifth round first <laughs> half you know that, that that's why he showed damage, because he was getting the crap kicked out of him you know it, it's 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 no mystery um I, I don't know. It, it the funny thing is, and, and and I can lump myself in with this because I, you know, yeah. Do I think I know MMA? Absolutely. Uh, I I studied a lot. I, I I follow the fighters. I follow the fight. I, I know what's going on. Um, it, but there's so many self-styled experts in MMA now. It's amazing the stupidity of some of the opinions I hear getting spouted out there.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, um, well I, for those that are, hold on just a sec. For those that are listening, um, we're going to take callers. Um, why not? What the hell? We'll open up the phone lines. Area code 347-215-7946. We're opening up the phone lines. So uh, call in if you want to speak to uh, Alex, uh, Vito, or maybe even me if you want to. So as you are, Alex. Okay. What I was going
3: to say is, like like I said, I didn't really pay attention to much of this fight, but
1: I have I I just uh, I predicted
3: for us to win from the beginning just based off the fact that I, like I said earlier, I just think Quentin's best days are behind him because his first fight in UFC when he returned was against Marvin Eastman who uh he's wrestled. He's, I mean Russell, he's I believe he fought Marvin one other time other than his debut fight for King of the Cage and he's beat Marvin twice then and he almost beat Marvin in his debut fight. And so Marvin obviously wasn't a test for him. And then he went in there with Liddell and that was a real quick fight. It just I haven't really seen anything from Quentin and then in the waning days of pride I just didn't after the, the second Van Lea Silva loss, the, the brutal knockout with the knees to the face, I just think that was Quentin's peak right there. And then, unfortunately, he peaked out right there in pride, but I, I just I, I, don't know, I just feel like he peaked.
5: You could very well be right. Um, I, I think he's kind of a one-trick pony these days. I mean, I know that his defenders will try to put over his wrestling skill, and, yeah, I know it's there. I've seen it in the past, but let's be honest with it. He, he doesn't pursue that it's a last resort if he is on the mat forced to defend himself and maybe you know even manage to pull a reversal down there or something yeah he's got some wrestling skills that he can do a little damage down there quentin's a puncher that's what he is at this point in the ballgame he's a puncher he hits like a freaking mule kick you know forrest said it himself after the fight you know he says i'm not trying to be a tough guy he never really had me oh my god hurt to where i i thought i was in trouble but he says, but now the thing is, every time he hits you, it hurts. He hits hard. You get guys that got heavy hands. Quentin has heavy arms, dude. He just hits so freaking hard that every time you take a clean shot from him, it just aches. And, and, and because of that, he's still a relatively young guy. Been through a lot of wars. You know, that, that, that's something we can say about so many of those pride fighters.
4: Mm-hmm. Uh,
5: but, you know, he's still. He hits so hard, and he tends to be accurate with his punches. He's dangerous. You know, he, he is fully capable. There is not a guy that fights at two o five that he can't knock cold on any given night without a problem. So, for that reason alone, because of that punching power and because of his punching accuracy, he is a guy that, as far as competitiveness, he's. He can be around for a while still. He's still got time. Now, is he what he once was? No, I don't think so. Uh, but I think because of the, the lucrative paydays that are out there and the fact that, style, you know, I am a big believer styles make fights, especially in, in, in MMA and UFC in particular. You know, Keith Jardine it should be the poster boy for that theory. There are some guys that Jardine just gives fits to. He's got that awkward style, and he's a good fighter. But there are other guys that just basically knife right through that, you know, that kind of odd approach that he has, and just, you know, we, we've seen it, just knock him stupid. And, and, you know, look at Chuck. Chuck's a great fighter. He can beat anybody. But there's something about Rampage. I don't know what it is. It's like Chuck, he can't quite get inside of him, and, and, and Rampage has had his number. You know, styles make fights. And for that reason, Rampage is going to be a relevant player for the foreseeable future as long as he wants to be there. Now, how how
3: how many fights do they hold for us before they finally give Leo to Machida a shot? Because I know that's not what they want to go to.
5: No, nobody wants to see. Oh, I don't want to say nobody. I, you know, let let the record clearly state. In my opinion, I I think Machida's an excellent fighter. Obviously, he he's an excellent fighter, but he's got that style that a lot of people just don't like. Watching, you know, Dana, Dana thinks that style makes for boring fights, you know, like when him and Tito just fought, I mean, it wasn't, to me, I wasn't bored, I wasn't like, oh, God, this sucks, you know, that, that was the furthest thing from my mind, Uh, I know there's a lot of other people that looked at that fight and said, dude, this just sucks, this this is a boring fight, you know, I hate watching this guy, yeah, he's effective, but it's like when Jake O'Brien fought Heath Herring back in the day. You know, it's like, okay, yeah, you won, but basically you got on the mat and laid on the guy. You know, well, Machida doesn't do it that way, but his style is one that a lot of people don't really get into that want the action. Um, as far as when he'll get a title fight, I, I don't know how much longer they can deny him, bro. I mean, it, you know, realistically, he wins, he wins his next fight. Aren't they pretty much obligated to give that man a title fight? It mm-hmm.
3: seems like they they should be in the next couple of fights. I thought I heard somewhere that he is he's got like one or two more fights before he's like obligated to get a title fight.
5: Mhm. Yeah, I mean at some point, you know, it's like you you gotta give the guy title fight. Um, you know, uh it, it's it's he he's a, he's an excellent fighter, man. He's an excellent, excellent fighter. Um now granted, do do I think he's that guy that, you know, nobody's gonna have an answer for? No, I don't. I mean I see susceptibility on his end. But he's, just, he's an excellent fighter. Defends himself well. He's dangerous, and and he's just—he's just—he's what I like to call thorough. I mean, he's a thorough fighter, you know. Well defended, strong offense, takes good care of himself. You know, he he doesn't open himself up too badly in any situation. He he's just very
3: effective. I mean, he's a tough guy to beat. I, I would like to also make this point while we're talking about Leo Machida. While he he may fight a style that's very uh, unappealing to people to watch. I have to say that, uh, in my opinion, um, ESPN, for example, I think ESPN is very, very does a very, very good job of getting an angle out of a out of a game where there, there isn't an angle, and then they almost educate the audience. Like, let's just say it's a it's a, it's a game between two defensive teams. You know, there's not going to be a high score. It almost seems like ESPN does a well enough job about promoting that football game to where you want to see it, the education process. So do you think that if UFC invested some time in Leota Machida, that maybe they could educate the fans that Leota De Machida's defensive style is maybe a style that they'd want to see? Because obviously UFC has shown through different ways, by replay, the fights that they replay and the fights that they hype, that they are very, just like the common public, very knockout heavy. But if they were to educate the fans that, you know what, not only are the knockouts can be exciting, but also the ground game can be exciting, or maybe this defensive uh, standing style can be exciting as well. Uh, what do you people think about that?
5: I, I personally, I mean, I'd love to see that happen. But the the, the problem is is the king of the hype machine, the you know, the guy who's pushing the button he doesn't like that style. And therein <laughs> lies the problem. That, that that's go. that's the problem. Dana doesn't like that kind of style. Dana prefers action. He prefers knockouts. He prefers guys you know that are explosive. So consequently, the you know Loyota Machitas and the Jake O'Briens and the um, you know the Josh Berkmans and what have you of the world, they're they're going to get limited run because the the fact of the matter is Dana doesn't like that. He feels it doesn't sell fights, and he doesn't want to reeducate the fans into that. He just wants to put explosive fighters in the ring. What are your thoughts point?
3: about
1: it? Hey, it, that? Hey, that's a very good point, but. Also, I think that they could market it properly as <sighs> Leota being the ultimate, the ultimate chess player, where will throw to off the name really around people. I'll throw yeah, out the really name for
4: so. Floyd Mayweather
3: Jr. I mean, if you, if anybody watched ESPN spin on the Floyd merriweather Oscar De La Hoya mm-hmm. fight, I mean, with me not seeing it, I believe that it was this exciting defensive encounter that I had to go out and buy the replay for.
5: hmm There it is. Yeah, I, I can see that. I, I can, I, and you know, I'm another one. I and again, I'm a boxing guy, and I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the Mayweather De La Hoya fight. Loved it. Mm. Loved it. I thought it was a great fight. Um, you know, I. But to, I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe I view some of those things differently than than, than some other people do. I, I, I don't mind a guy that is uh, a, a great defensive fighter, a guy that understands the the notion of countering and the you know that that you know pre- preventative fighting I don't mind that I I enjoy watching the chess match that that can be there's a lot of newer fight fans that are out there right now that aren't that well versed maybe don't have the appreciation of that style just yet it might be something that comes with time or they could just be dumbass rednecks that can't appreciate nothing other
3: than a knockout I don't know
1: <laughs> good point so That's speaking of
3: UFC talk, uh, this is sort of UFC talk, but next Saturday we've got the two big shows coming up. Um, any predictions on what the affliction number is going to do? Because I'm, I'm going to tell you, here in Los Angeles and in Anaheim, I mean, I'm seeing billboards everywhere for this. So nationally, I mean, what, what's the hype going, and uh, what, are people pre- what are people predicting for this?
1: Mm. I think it's going to do okay. Um, just okay, because UFC is deciding to run against them with a fight night. So that's gonna, that really sucks, and it's bad for the, for the sport. And Dana White's a cocksucker for doing it. And uh, you can, you can quote me on that one. It's wrong. I mean, it's all about um, the, the, the business. The whole sport. You know, you got, you're no better than your competition. And if there isn't any competition, what the fuck is gonna light the competitive fire under Vince? McMahon? I mean, I mean Dana White. I'm sorry. But that's, you know, just my opinion there. So.
5: You know what? I, 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 I hear you. I hear you, and I'm not going to tell you I completely disagree with you in that. Yeah, if you look at the big picture for the good of the sport as a whole and all, you're you're right. But you know, if you've if you've been around and watched these guys and how they do business, then you know the deal. And the deal is, yeah, Dana White is the MMA's Vince McMahon. Dana doesn't want to nurture the business. Dana wants to squash out the rest of the business and just make UFC a juggernaut. That's that's what he wants. That's what he would like to do. Now, does he you know, is he realistically thinking that's something he can't do? Eh, probably not. Here's my only fear for the affliction show, to be honest with you. Um, you've got obviously the fight on the top of the card is, is Fedor and Sylvia, okay? Now we all follow MMA. We all know the legend that is Fedor Emilienko. Okay? We, we all know about Fedor. Here's the problem. All those people that make up the masses of asses that buy all those UFC pay per views. And, you know, on the top tier UFC pay per views, you know, these guys are routinely, you know, seven hundred thousand to a million plus buys on some of their top end pay per views is not unheard of. Well, that is made up of UFC fans. Primarily. Of that let's say they sell seven hundred thousand on a good pay per view, okay, and they they do better, but we'll use seven hundred thousand. Of that seven hundred thousand, there's probably a snowballs chance in hell that maybe three hundred thousand of that seven hundred thousand is actually going to spend the money on another brand's pay per view. You know, that, that mm-hmm. are that are UFC buyers. Now you've got some MMA purists that are out there. The hardcores, big time, that don't buy UFC because Dana White's the devil incarnate and it's watered down. You know, pick pick one. Pick one complaint that, you know, MMA smart that's out there that doesn't like it over is going to complain about. Okay, so what the problem is is you've got Fedor and Sylvie on top of this card. The casual MMA fan in America doesn't really know who the hell Fedor is. They really don't. Hardcore MMA fans, fight fans, people have been following a while. Yeah, we know Fedor, but Joe Blow, typical UFC, Johnny-come-lately MMA fan, wouldn't know Fedor if he came up and bit him in the ass. Okay? And then you've got Tim Sylvia as his opponent. Well, here's the problem. When we last saw Tim Sylvia, he was losing in UFC, and... Even before that, when he had the belt and he was winning his fights, he was never really accepted or embraced or thought of as a great fighter by the UFC fan base. That's why he's gone, guys. He was considered a boring fighter. He was not considered an exciting fighter. He was, his, the, the pay-per-views with him on top were routinely some of the lesser-bought pay-per-views for UFC. One of the many reasons he's gone. So the problem you got is okay. We all know about Fedor, but most of John Q. Public that's typically going to buy MMA pay-per-views don't know Fedor, and they do know Tim Sylvia, and most of them aren't all that in- enamored with Tim Sylvia. There's some other names on that pay-per-view, of course, and yeah, for fight fans they know them, but again, John Q. Public, regular Joe fan that's not a hardcore that doesn't know about the other companies that are out there in the history. Don't know most of these guys. My prediction is I smell a pay-per-view buy rate. I'm thinking there's no way in hell it's going to go above 250,000. I think it'll be less than that. I'm thinking more like 160, to be honest with you. Um, and I think the number for that fight night live, particularly with uh, with Anderson Silva fighting, um, I think that fight night live, that Saturday night fight on on, on uh, Spike is going to do a good number. I think it'll probably do like a one four
3: one five.
1: Mm-hmm. Very good point. Very I'm good point. I'm curious,
3: with the age of, of, of DVRs, how
1: effective it
3: is to really run head to head. I mean, this isn't 1987 with the Spider Series going against uh, the Boston Stampede. Anyway, this isn't back in the days where you had to make your television decision. This isn't a day where you can, if you have the most primitive technology, you can use a VCR to tape it. I just don't under, I can, I can. understand, Dana not wanting it the a competition because, quite frankly, if you're running a, a business, you, you're not really worried about what's the best of the game, for the game or not really wor- worried about what's the best for mixed martial arts overall for the sport. You're worried about your bottom line. I'll, 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 give, you, I'll give
5: you three reasons, brother. I'll give you three reasons right now why he's doing it and why he'll probably end up being able to walk away come Monday or Tuesday when the numbers start shaking loose and be able to call the move a success. There's three reasons. One, he's got the brand name. It's just like Coke and Pepsi. You can go walk up to any place in the world and go, hey, you know what? Even if they don't serve Coke, if you'll give me a Coke, it's because it's Coke. It's, he's got the brand name, dude. He's got UFC. Mm. UFC is the brand name, not MMA, okay? So that's one. Number two, he's offering something on free TV going up against a $40 pay-per-view. So he's offering a good fight card on free TV against a $40 pay-per-view for a company that's never run before and is being headlined by a UFC castaway and a MMA legend that most American fight fans don't know much about. And number three is he is putting what is widely pushed and considered to be the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world on top of the card.
1: Very good point. It's going to be fun. And you know who's going to be the winner? The fans. Yeah. That's the bottom line. You know, that's the way I see it. You know, I mean, I get to watch two good fight shows sometime that weekend.
5: I I don't think anybody that was going to buy the Affliction pay-per-view is not going to buy it. I think everybody that was going to buy it is still going to buy it, and they'll DVR Fight Night. night. But there's going to be a whole bunch of people that'll watch Fight Night that would not have gone in order. To the Affliction pay per view, most likely.
4: Mm, so I mean, I think we'll we all come ahead. out
5: ahead. I'm excited to see both shows. I mean, you know, I, I will be watching Affliction live, and I will be TVR and Fight Night. <laughs>
1: there you go. Okay, <laughs> you know? Vito, give, give me, give me, give me a prediction for rating for Fight Night. I say one six.
5: You say one? I'll say because it's Saturday night. I'll say I'll say a one four. I hope you're right, but I'll say a one four because the Saturday night shows typically do a little bit less of a number than they would if it was a midweek deal.
3: Mm-hmm. Alex? Oh, I, I'd say, I, I don't study, I, I don't say fight night raise, I'm not going to lie. I'd say one, one four, one six. 1.6. I'd say one five. somewhere in the middle. There you one
1: go. Five. There you go. We got it surrounded. Very good. <laughs> Tremendous.
3: I'm watching the awesome. return of Sting on p Impact. Wow, I've I'm not, I have to say, I, I don't have cable, so I don't regularly get to watch these shows, but currently uh, this week, I've been able to watch Raw and Impact, and wow, I'm not, I'm not really missing anything in the current wrestling scene. I have to say that. I thought Raw was a real horrible show this week, and I thought that TNA, if you can, if you could wade through uh, all the bad segments, I mean they had one, they had two great segments in the Beautiful People, but the Beautiful People are really awesome, as I've always heard. The Beautiful People are awesome, and uh, I've had some good matches. But wow, this program, I don't want to see, I don't want to see the, the pay per view in Houston. Uh, I'm comfortable. I can see why the people still watch the show because it's. It's fine if you just want to watch a TV show, but I, I wouldn't want to pay for this. Right, right.
5: Now, nah, you know what, man? It's I don't know. I mean, I, I try not to be overly critical on a week-to-week basis because, you know what, Some, sometimes you've got to look at the big picture and recognize that, hey, on occasion, in order to get stories across and depends on what, what level or what stage each individual's story is sitting at at any given moment – you know, occasionally, if you didn't plan well, if you didn't have your stories spaced out enough to where you knew you had something compelling going every week, you're going to get a dog show. Um, you know, I, I, truthfully, and to, to be perfectly honest, I, I, have, uh, I have liked more of what I've seen on Raw better than what's been on there for a while recently. And I, I think TNA has definitely been on, on an increase as far as their quality goes. I, I think they've been a better show of late. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm never going to be a Vince Russo convert. I, I think too many of Russo's storylines are just ignorant. Um, but he occasionally comes up with some winners still. Uh, but, you know, the, the talent in TNA can yeah. really carry that show and make it enjoyable even when the storylines kind of suck.
3: Oh, I completely agree with that.
5: Yeah, there's, my there's my argument,
3: right my argument's always been this: is that uh, my favorite year of television programming ever has been ECW in 1996, and I can still pop in a, a DVD that I have of a ECW television show during '96. Watch any month's TV, and then even today, even 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 today, I'll still get excited about whatever show that they're hyping, and I'll actually want to go see that show. I'll find the DVD or find a tape or whatever, because they just did an excellent job with the week. Of building to that live show, I understand that it's it's a little bit different in 2008. You have a little bit of a different product, but it's the overall. It's not it's not the product you're giving, but it's the feeling that's supposed to make you give after you watch it. And I understand it's hard for episodic television to do that, but it's. I watch these shows, and even today, I don't care to see that the product that they're offering, and that's just me personally. Obviously, there's still the the millions and millions of people that do, but. It's just unfortunate with the state. Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah, no, I, I hear you. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to disagree. I mean, hey, you know, if you're going to if you're going to ask me to try and make a compelling argument, uh, you know, that I think that uh, we're we're in the midst of the golden age of wrestling, well, I'll just shut the hell up and walk away because I'm not going to flat out lie. No, it's not. Um, I don't like a lot of what's going on right now with wrestling, as far as. The status of of the the business in general and the general direction of what they've done with the televised products and things like that there's a lot of stuff out there that i don't like but i you know, I, I mean in all fairness i you know i am an old i'm an old school guy i came up watching old school i was trained by old school people my influences are old school um, I, I'm, I'm a guy that i don't like the shades of gray i like the black hats versus the white hats i, I like distinguishing strongly between the good guys and the bad guys I like old-school wrestling television where the the, the guys that were on the big hype fight literally didn't have physical contact for the better part of a month going into it. It was just back-and-forth promos. Maybe the week before the big match, you had somebody come in and run in and and cheap-shot somebody and and set it up. But, I mean, there was still that anticipation. The problem now is that we're giving away pay-per-view caliber shows every freaking Monday. And it makes it real hard to hype that stuff up. I mean, it used to be that the pay-per-views and the big events were very special. Now they're just a continuation of what we get on TV. And, mm. you know, it, it's it's problematic. It makes it, it – it, it used to be easy when, you know, you guys remember back in the day, you know, you, you know, 70s, 80s, even into the early 90s, when you got a good stud versus stud match on TV –
1: Dude, you had a heart
5: on. You were excited. It's like, oh, cool! This is unbelievable. Well, you know, hell, you get a repeat of the pay per view every Monday night, the night after each pay per view, because that's the way they write it now. You know, it, it's 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 a shame, and the and the problem is, it's you can't go back. You can't go back when you give it away for free the way they give it away now. You can't just cut it off cold turkey and go back to where you're putting in enhancement matches. And, and and going back, you know, with, with maybe one or two good matches sprinkled in on a given television show, you know, we as the wrestling watching public, this is what it is. This is what we're accustomed to. This is what we're going to demand from here on out. So it, it, it's kind of a shame because it's taken away the the, the, the special feeling of, of certain pay-per-views and, you know, God... You know, I don't know about you guys, but I mean, I grew up being excited, you know, as a kid, about when when it was coming, you know, when there was going to be a house show coming back to my town or my area. The house shows aren't even a discussion anymore.
1: Yeah, I, I well, mean Vito, they just you know let's uh, let's take a call real quick. You want to sure. take a call? Cool. Sure. All right, a caller from the five one zero. Who am I speaking with? Miles.
6: Matt from the Sports Opinion Show.
1: Hey, hey, what's going on, Mr. Alvarez? What's up, brother?
6: Oh, uh, not much. I finally got to hear you one to of your shows the, live, man.
1: Jump on into uh, the discussion. You have any questions for uh, Between the Ropes, uh, Vito DiNucci?
6: Yeah, I was I was just listening to, to what you guys were talking about. Cause
1: cool. Any, uh, any thoughts and
6: feelings there? Yeah, I, I agree with you, Vito, that nothing's the same with WWE anymore. I mean, it looks like they're starting to slowly get rid of the general manager thing, which is what they should do anyways, right? Right. Because, as we all know, well, the smart people know that general manager is just another term for lazy bookers. So basically, all general managers is, is another version of Vince McMahon out there saying, "We're gonna do this. And we're gonna make this stupid match." And it's like, yeah, I'd
5: have to agree. I've, I've there's been a. You guys, they've paraded out there in the time that they've tried to run the whole GM angle, which it's been several years now, really, on both yeah. Raw and SmackDown. There's been a few of them that have had roles that I thought enhanced the show, became, you know, an, an entertaining aspect of it. I, and you know, I maybe I'm alone here. I enjoyed Regal's work as GM. I thought he was he, yeah. he's such, he was, he, you know, he was alternately either a great healer or just a, a phenomenally wretched ass kisser. Take your pick. Um, but he, he added that element to the show where he was just either sniveling or you just you just wanted to kill him. Um, <laughs> but it's it's you know for the most part the, the Vicky Guerrero stuff makes me sick. I mean, I mean I, 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 did, I did you happen to
6: see the pay per view <sighs> where she got up out of the chair on live pay per view? Right. I was at me and, me and my three buddies, I was at their house yeah. in Hayward, California, and we all had ordered pizza. And my friend, one of my friends had actually got so mad about the segment that he threw in pizza at the TV, and my friend going, hey, hey, that's my TV. <laughs>
4: <laughs> and
6: we, but we were pissed. We were like, shit, man, she's getting up on live pay-per-view and walking off the wheelchair and leaving it there like nothing happened. I'm like, "Oh my god, the writers are not doing this on live pay-per-view, but we were seeing it."
5: Her, her involvement just disturbs me. It it just disturbs me. And I mean, kudos to the WWE for giving Vicky a job and 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 I hear they pay her very well and take care of her and that's their way of 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 making good on behalf of, you know, of Eddie's family, and and I respect that. I really do. But you know what? I mean, my take would have been just take care of the lady. You know what I mean? set up a fund, just cover her, pay what was Eddie's salary, and do something. And if you really, I mean, if she's just adamant that she wants to do something to quote-unquote earn it and she wants to work, okay, come up with something. But don't stick her on TV in this just god-awful GM role and the stuff she's doing with Edge and all yeah. that. It, it's just, it, it bothers me. It, it bothers me. I, I thought they really ex- they they've exploited the whole thing with Eddie since, 15 minutes after the freaking body was cold. And, yeah. and honestly, I, I'm not going to lie to you. You know, I, I know Chavo. I mean, I've, I have worked out with Shavo. I've been around Chavo. been on a lot of shows with Shavo, you know, Junior, of course. Um, I, I've lost respect for him in this because he has partaken in some of the, the ridiculousness that's taken place.
1: He's allowed it, and he hasn't stepped up and said, yeah. no, I don't want to do it. He's yeah, and, of and, he's and he could have squashed
5: it. He could have squashed it, and he never did. And and I've lost respect for him over it. I mean, hey, you know what? We all got to do what we got to do to make a buck. I got three little kids, man, and in this crazy-ass economy, trust me, uh, desperate times call for desperate measures. You do what you got to do to make a buck and support yourself and your family. But it's not like Shavo was starving. Uh, Shavo could have stepped in and squashed a lot of the garbage that's gone on post-Eddie's death. And and quite frankly, uh, Ray, you know, Ray, who is as close to Eddie as anybody, I'm I'm very surprised that he has stood by and allowed a lot of this to go on, and I think he's another guilty party. He's been he has taken party in much of that, and and, and then then of course, lastly, but probably most significantly, is Vicky. And I mean, again, I get it. You got to make money. You got to support yourself, but you can't tell me that she couldn't have said, can Can we do something in a fashion where it's just not coming off so freaking
6: awful? Well, do do you think do you, what, what do you think about her acting? Because the fans on our show on the Sports Opinion show, they all think the same thing that I'm sure you we all feel as wrestling fans that she's a terrible actor. I mean, oh, the way him. she got up at that oh. pay per view and walked off and left the chair there, and then this past week on Raw when she showed up, I was like, what is she doing here? Mm-hmm. And she gets up and she's like, oh, oh ow, ow, and then she bitch slapped and you know Batista. I was like, oh, that was crap. Come yeah. on.
5: No I, agree. I, I you know she's she, she just not good at the role, man. You need, you need somebody who gets it. Vicki Guerrero's not an actress. She's not a worker. Vicky Guerrero was married to a great worker
3: who uh,
5: tragically died way too early. and And again, kudos to the WWE for doing something to help Vicki support her family. With you know, hey, I'm I'm a wrestler, guys, and you know, it, yeah, you you guys know the story. It's you know, you don't make enough money, and you know, you you spend out too much, and all the variables go into it. And, and Eddie Eddie didn't have one of those mongoloid contracts where he was making millions per year. Eddie made a good living, especially that last you know few years of his of his career before he passed away. But Eddie was never a guy that was making you know Flair, Hogan, Hunter, Rock, Austin type money. He was never in that stratosphere. Uh so yeah, I respect what they've done here as far as trying to, to to allow Vicky to make money to support her family. That's cool, but I think I think they should have accomplished that goal in a different fashion than what they've done. Well,
6: the, the only uh-huh. the 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 only thing about the whole Ray and Chavo thing and you've got guys like Kevin Dunn Who's the main producer And Vincent's right hand man And then you have Michael Hayes Who's a racist person Who doesn't He only cares about the white people And he's over here I mean I'm sure you heard about what he did At the WrestleMania party
1: I I, I know Mike dude (laughs) Alright but but before we go any further um, I got other cars online On hold Matt I'm going to give you the, the office Plug your show brother
6: all right, join us Saturday on blogtalkradio.com backslash the Sports Opinion Show. A uh, parent, uh, a rage, stupid, I think he's like a kid or something. He doesn't, he, me and him have been arguing back and forth about it's The Rock coming back. He threatened to call our show and do all this other crazy stuff. I said, go ahead, see what you got. I don't know if he can uh, do it or not. Then he's talking yeah, crap awesome. about Blog Talk. I was like, do you even know who <laughs> Blog Talk Radio is? And he never emailed me back since on YouTube, so.
1: All right. Well, Mr. Mr. Alvarez, it was a pleasure speaking to you. If I don't see you, I will see you the weekend of the 19th, um, big-time wrestling on the, on Friday the 18th. I will definitely see you there.
6: Yeah, I'll try and be there.
1: Awesome. Matt, take good care, talking
6: brother. to you, buddy. Take care. All right, you Thanks too. Thanks for calling in, Matt. Yeah, take
1: care. Bye. All right, that was uh, a good buddy of mine, uh, Matthew Alvarez from up here in Northern California. Um, Matt is, you know, he knows his shit. He's a, a really good dude, and he's really good to talk to uh, it's my pleasure having him call in. So, uh, all right. Well, where do we want to go from here? I mean, geez, we touched on Michael. We touched on pretty much everything. Um, am, am I back on the air? You are back on the air.
3: Okay, awesome. Okay, so two points to make one real quick. Uh, the beautiful people just came on the TV, and my God, my God, they, what I would eat off their bodies. And number two, that uh, the first angle that was done post Edgaro death was between. Undertaker and Randy Orton, and I've never been to the WWE, I've never I've never been backstage, whatever, but from what I understand, from what I read, is Undertaker's one of, one of the more respected guys back there. So what kind of precedence does that set when Undertaker is involved in one of the first angles with Randy Orton uh, post-death using the lowrider? And so what's that kind of set backstage when, you know, obviously Ray Mysterio and Chavo and Vicky and all the people who are actually close to Eddie shouldn't partake in angles like that? But when you got the undertaker, one well, of the top dogs have been an angle like that i mean what what kind of message does that send out?
5: Not a good mm-hmm. one man what, you know i and here's the thing bro i you know what you you could you could tell me that Bruno San martino came back and took place in and it took part of an angle, and I'd still think it was wrong. I really don't care what respected veterans taken place in it or, or participated in an angle it's wrong it's wrong it's it's you know it, it's sometimes in life and I am the I am the first one, anybody who listens to our show knows I am always one of the first guys to step up and say, hey, dude, you know what, spare me the PC talk, it's wrestling. Wrestling has been non-PC, it's been tacky, it has been below the belt since the beginning of time, and it's wrestling, that's part of what we do, get over it. But it's usually done at the expense of institutions and people and what have you, From outside of the business. It is very rare that you see wrestling go carnivore and utilize its own. And it's its it's own that are loved and respected to feed the machine. You know what I mean?
1: That's Vince. You know, Vince's father's probably rolling over in his fucking grave
5: good chance. I mean yeah. <laughs>
1: this is and and the thing is Vince came up with his dad. He knows better and he's doing the complete opposite of what senior did.
5: Well, did you ever did you ever read Dusty's book that he wrote with Howard Brody? Did you ever read that? Yes, sir. Yeah, well, you know, yes, in, sir. in in that book uh I believe it's it's uh you know there the the story is brought back up. Dusty Dusty brought it up in the book talking about that right, you know, when when senior knew he was in his last days. He knew he was on his he knew he was dying. He summoned Dusty to come see him and basically pleaded with Dusty said you have the power to stop him. You stop him. You know, this is his own father coming to Dusty and saying you've got the clout to stop him and what he's going to try and do you need to do it. He knew it was coming. He knew what Vince Jr.'s plans were. Vince Jr., you know, Jr. Vince didn't want to play nice. Vince didn't want to respect tradition. He didn't want to respect the, the long-standing hierarchy within the business. Vince wanted to take over the world, and in wrestling terms, that's exactly what he did.
3: Um, and, I have to and, say, and, though, two, two men with children, we won't get into the conversation of what well, we would
4: eat off
1: the beautiful people. My God, are they two beautiful women.
4: Oh, They're, they're ridiculous, dude.
1: <laughs> no, that's the Angelina Love and that other chick, right?
3: Yeah.
4: Oh, Talia
1: Madison. Yeah. Oh, remember remember Alex when we met them up in Newark?
5: Oh, it, was it was just Talia. It was just Talia. I went oh, fuck in, 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 in March. Hurricane's
1: a lucky boy. That's all I'm saying. Who is? Hurricane. Oh, yeah. No, oh, in, man, in he March, I, I had been...
5: I hadn't been to a TNA, you know, taping slash show in, in quite a while, and I went in March when they did that one on the Thursday night during WrestleMania week when they went live on Spike. Mm-hmm. And I went, you know, I went and hung out in the back for the show and had a good time and, you know, talked with some people and said some howdies. Well, I will say this. Say what you want to about TNA. They, they got some women there that are damn near inspirational.
1: <laughs> 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 You know, I, not,
5: I know. You know, I've known. I've known Val. I've known Val since she was, you know, 14 year old kid. And you know, she comes running up, give me a hug. i about had heart failure. And uh, mm-hmm. and, and then you know, Tracy. Tracy Brooks. She's a she's a of the show. And Tracy come out, give me a big hug, and I had to you know turn away quickly. Um, <laughs> you know, and then you know the girls you're talking about, the the beautiful people. You know, they that's an app. That's a fitting name. They are not ugly. Um, yeah, that, that's, wow, wow. (laughs) Uh, Love those girls. (laughs) Tremendous. Yes. Tremendous. No, I, you know, Uh. Alex, you know, he, uh, Matt, the the guy who was on the shoot a few minutes ago, brought up Michael Hayes. Give me your thoughts on Hayes.
2: (laughs) Give me your thoughts
5: Give because me, I mean, and, and I'm, you know, and I'm, I'm game to listen to him now. You know, I know Mike a little bit. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I, I am never one to excuse stupidity or racism or a combination thereof. But, but I will say that there are certain people. This is my opinion here. There mm-hmm. are certain people that are products of what they came up with.
3: I'll, I'll say this about Michael Hayes, and, and then we had uh, Brian Fritz on our show, and yeah. I, I gave the same exact name to him. I'm I'm from the South, and I'm also in the United States Marine Corps, and what I'll say is this, that you'll never hear of a story where a general, who a general is a, is a public figure in my branch of service, you'll never hear a story where a general will come to someone as as, as low-ranking as me, as one of the actual workers, and say a derogatory term as such. Right. Now, between each other... Like Michael Hayes was at one time was just a worker. It, I, in my, I, I'm not going to say it's acceptable because for certain people they they will get offended by it. Now, not me personally, but certain people will get offended by it. But it's it said, you know, it's said. You can't lie about it. But once you begin to pick up position, then you have to change your your demeanor because of the fact that you haven't. Because you, Michael Hayes had a, a different position than everyone else. He was a writer. So he has a lot of people's careers. actually he has my, a lot of people's careers Michael, in control. Hayes is,
5: Michael Hayes was a vice president if you want to get down to brass tacks.
3: Oh Michael Hayes was a vice president so yeah. he had a lot of people's careers in his hand yeah. and so, so if you he, he may not believe you know he may not believe that you know a black person is inferior to a white person, but if you get caught saying things like that, that opens up doors that maybe shouldn't be opened up and that's my opinion on it
5: Well I hear you. and 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 I, and I don't disagree with any of what you're saying. I think you have to take into context what Michael was saying, and it wasn't like he was trying to. see What he said to Mark Henry, my opinion, the spirit of what he was saying, where he was saying, it, and how he said it, it wasn't a derogatory kind of statement. It wasn't like mm-hmm. he was trying to call him a name. It was like he was basically saying, "Hey, who? You know, who are you kidding? You know, you, you, know, you you're trying to, you know, you're, you're trying to act, you know, play play this role. Hell, I'm more that way than you."
3: Oh, I agree with you.
5: You know, and, and and Michael will be the first one to tell you Michael and again, I, I hate this phrase because it's just so stereotypical. But yeah, Michael's a guy, he's got all kinds of black guys that he's been friends with since he was a kid. You mm-hmm. know, but Michael my, I mean, Michael is a redneck. Make you know, there he he is he, he in my understanding is part of his punishment and all that kind of stuff in returning from all this. I my understanding is he was stripped of his vice presidency. Um
3: he, uh, That's what I said too and also he was
5: stripped of a lot of pay a lot of uh potential
3: pay. Because yeah, he
5: was. He was he's gonna have to earn his way back up. You know, Mike Michael, as far as his wrestling knowledge, his ability, his ability to teach, to guide matches, put things together, he's very well respected and rightly so. And most of yeah. people that know Michael, know him personally, will tell you, you know what, dude, he's he's a good guy, He'll give you the shirt off his back, he's not a bad dude. But Mike Michael's a product of where he grew up, what he knows. Is he guilty of not adapting as he got older and learning right from wrong? Absolutely. And, and also, you know, a phrase comes to mind, and it's kind of a southern phrase, but, you know, you, you've heard people say, you know, you can dress a pig up, but you can't take it out. Mm-hmm. Well, that's kind of the deal with Michael. You know, and I'm not calling him, you know, well, sure, Michael's a pig. But, <laughs> but he's, you know what, man, I mean, you're going to stick a cat as a VP of a Billion dollar company like the WWE that's publicly traded. Uh, when it comes to the PR, the, the potential PR disasters that can be, well, you know, watch yourself because you, you know you got stuck in that position and you know that him and some cocktails equal some stuff coming out of his pie hole that probably shouldn't
3: happen. Oh, I completely agree with you. And I've seen the situation uh, myself plenty of times because, I'm, 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 like I said, I'm in the United States Marine Corps and I've been stationed overseas, we're overseas, they take that very seriously because literally you're a guest in that person's country. Sure. They're literally allowing you to stay there. Yep. And then, you know, I mean, like a, a little situation in the United States is, is considered a very huge situation overseas. And you may be the, the, the best Marine in the world, best at your job, but then once you make that mistake overseas, you know, you can you can be completely done. So, yep. I mean, I kind of understand, even though I don't work for a, a big corporation, I, I, I do work for the government, so I do kind of understand, what position, you know, Michael sort of has in his company. And then while Michael may be the person that he is, but if you hold that position, you have to hold yourself to a different standard. You have to rise above your upbringing and the type of person that you are. And you can't say stuff like that because as WCW learned, I mean,
6: Sonny Ono or Hard Buddy Harrison,
3: and uh, I'm not familiar with the other names, but every, well, I understand every black jobber on the company payroll sued WCW for discrimination. And... I mean, and they you know, WWE, a publicly—they <laughs> all got paid. They and
5: all WWE,
3: got paid, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and WWE, being a publicly traded company, on top of all this, well, well WCW was sort of a publicly traded company, but not exactly because they fell right. under the Time Warner branch. Correct. But WWE, time, uh, publicly traded company. I mean, that's one headache that Vince McMahon doesn't really need. You know?
5: No, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and everything you're saying about, you know, position—you you have to get—you know, you have to rise above you are, where you're from, what you know. Uh, you're, no, you're, you couldn't be more right. That, that's the fact, is that, you know what, if you're going to accept the responsibility of being placed in a position of that nature, you have to understand that there are certain changes that you have to make within that come with the territory. And, and he obviously had not to that point. I hope he does. I've always liked the guy. Uh, I, I tell you what, there is nobody better To be able, you know, and again, you know, yeah, was I able to come sit front and center, get neck deep in them? No, but I have been fortunate enough to be able to participate on a limited role in in some conversations amongst some pretty decorated, been down the road and back many times veterans and hear some stories and just, you know, just sit and listen to them talk and get some input and wisdom. Um, and 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 I've I've been privileged enough to sit and listen to some conversations that Michael's been involved in, and obviously, a guy like Michael, even when when he's in those conversations, he's front and center, and he's he's you know talking a million miles an hour. But, but I'll tell you what, he's, he's <laughs> fascinating to listen to, and you can learn so much. Uh, you know, I, I I got to when when the XWF was trying to get off the ground, they're doing universal tapings. You know, I was on that roster at the time, and um, I was very fortunate. I, I got to spend some time in a locker with the locker room I was in or the first day of tapings. Um, and most of the second day was me sitting in there with Kurt Hennig, Hawk, Animal, and Marty Janetti.
1: <laughs>
5: now you want to talk How about, running some, tree. you want to talk about some stories? Holy crap.
1: <laughs>
5: that was something. That was something. That was a lot of fun. I really, I absolutely, I'll never forget that. Never forget it. Um, you know, I've been on the road several times with Marty Gennetti on, you know, different tours and shows and stuff. He's insane, by the way.
4: Um,
5: <laughs> he, he's, he is certifiably insane, but he's, he's a man. Am, hey, KZ, uh, we got
3: the time for Marty Gennetti story real quick? Sure, go for it. Hey, Any BW, time. you brought we it up. Do let's do it. hear a Marty Gennetti story.
5: You, you want to hear a Marty Gennetti story?
3: Let's see. Let's yeah, hear a yeah, Marty Gennetti story. five minutes.
5: You
3: know, uh, only us have an honor
1: to, so. Alex, relax, brother. Calm down. Germs, you're on the line. Hold on, we're gonna get you on the line in about five minutes. We need to hear the Marty Genetti story from Vito. Now, Alex, this is my show. Damn it!
5: <laughs> I'm Gumby. Damn it. Um, <laughs> yes.
1: All right, go I, ahead, Vito. Rock and roll. I, I
5: we were down in uh, down in uh, uh, I guess the Bahamas. I guess yeah, the Bahamas or the Caymans. I might be the Caymans. Uh, doing a couple shows down there and uh you know a lot of clubs down there you know obviously you know everybody's having a good time um it was i want to say thursday night we got in, you know got down there and show we had two shows coming up and uh you know so we go in this club everybody's, everybody's getting a drink on having a good time all, you know, all the boys are partying having fun and uh <laughs> <laughs> Marty Marty was Marty was never lonely on the road for sure. He always did just mm-hmm. fine thanks. But uh he he's on the dance floor, pretty good looking pretty good looking chick and I guess she's local, I'm not positive. But, you know, crowded dance club, you know, the whole nine yards, everything's cool. And uh Mar- Marty I, I don't even know Marty's marital status these days. He was single at the time, if I'm not mistaken. But uh yeah, look, looked over at one point, he's he's out there dancing with this chick on the dance floor. And uh, you know, everybody doing their thing, kind of look over, and literally in the middle of the dance floor, he stopped dancing. He got his pants around his ankles, and she's taking care of business right in the middle of the dance floor in this club. <laughs> it's like, looked over at him and was like, just thumbs up. God bless you, brother.
4: <laughs> it's
5: like, you would be the man.
1: There it is. Who I got my next guest on the line. Greg's um, What's that now? Oh, brother,
5: I enjoyed it, man.
1: <laughs> www.betweentheropes.com. How much is it a month? Three
4: ninety nine.
5: Oh yeah, the, the the site membership guys. Yeah, if you go to betweentheropes.com, dude, I think it's three ninety five a month. Uh, you know, obviously, our, our our current show, both day of and of course the whole week. It, uh, the whole week of that show up until the next show, it's free. Come, you know, you can come on the site just as a guest, listen to it, enjoy it, uh, listen to it while it's happening, or for the whole week following. Then after that goes in the archives with the 395 access to uh, you know message board, forum, all our archives, a lot of excuse, exclusive interviews. Fritz is putting up uh, anywhere from two to four exclusive site-only interviews per week always good stuff, a lot of good MMA, a lot of good uh, wrestling interviews on there, and we're, we're looking to even add to that even more, you know, it's a work in progress, we're real happy with where it's at, but we're always looking to try and improve it, but, uh, man, I appreciate it, brother, I always love coming on with you guys, anytime, just let me know, I'd, I'd be happy to come on.
1: Scott so so is one uh, of my favorite uh, guests, one of the favorite so guests. if any, any, uh, any promoters want to book you, do you have a MySpace that they can contact you at?
5: Yeah, yeah, you know, I got 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 a MySpace, Vito Nucci MySpace page. It's uh you know, the 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 typical backslash but you know, Vito Nucci on the MySpace. It's it's that's easy to find. Uh yeah, come on, you know, fans, come on, give me give me a plug. I always like to get new friends on there, browse around. We've uh we're actually I know we are booked for a couple shots this fall and I just heard from a guy who's wanting to book us up in West Virginia. Um in the early fall, and it's cool because the weekend he's wanting to bring us up there. I'm a big University of Central Florida guy. I'm an alum, UCF fan, and they're playing Marshall that weekend. So I think we're going to go up and do that one. I'm going to try and take a few. I haven't worked worked a match since right before my knee surgery last year. Just been chilling out, you know, moving and stuff, but I am definitely – we're looking here in the next couple months to get active. Nelson's been working out. We've actually got in and started knocking the rust off. We're looking to get back at it by, I'd say, August or September.
1: Awesome. Mr. Danucci, thank you for your time, brother. We'll have to have you on again probably hey. after the 19th. Absolutely. So can break and down he... at UFC.
5: Yeah, please have me on, brother. I always enjoy coming out with you guys. You're a lot of fun to talk to you guys. Great show. Enjoyed it as always.
1: Awesome. Thanks for your time, Vito, and we'll you be good. Fellas. Soon. Take care. Bye, right, brother. All right, well, that was Between the Ropes and the new uh, new Heavenly Bodies himself, Mr. Vito Denucci, And uh, before we go to our next guest, uh, we are going to run a trivia contest. We're going to give away a couple DVDs from our sponsor, WrestleWarehouse.com. Uh, what we'll do is we'll give away a couple SoCal Pro Wrestling DVDs, good stuff, uh, and also a DVD with archives all 71 episodes of rubber guard radio but all you have to do is answer this question okay germs I know you're on the line you have to keep your mouth shut okay you you too you too there Alex now okay. people know everybody in their mother knows Michael Modest is my favorite independent heel and this question is about Mr. Modest um, Michael worked for Pro Wrestling Noah he worked a dome show in a tag team match teaming with Donovan Morgan. Now who did they defeat? Uh, can, answer, can I
3: get the date sh- at least?
1: Jesus. Uh, the date would be 15 two thousand four. It's their first You're day of the departure.
3: You're talking about the departure
1: show? Yeah, the first one with uh, uh, Akiyama and Ken and Kabashi on top.
3: That wasn't what the first one. That wasn't the
1: first one, was it? I thought the first yes, one was the uh Okay. No, it so it's
3: the Akiyama Kwata. No. Then we no, have uh, Muda and uh Masala in the tag match. Nope, that was the second one. That was the first one. That was Departure. It had Masala and, and,
1: and uh, Muto on opposite sides. Seven fifteen oh four. Who did Mike Modest and Donovan Morgan defeat in a tag match? If you have the answer, call in at 347-215-7946, and I will give you some DVDs, high-quality cl- high stuff. Adam Pierce. enough said. <laughs> enough said I, i'm I'm happy you turned around on that
3: adam Pierce bandwagon because I mean for a oh, while i I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna
1: throw it um, out there you
3: weren't you weren't the biggest fan of adam Pierce, but well, what, turned you know, what what turn it around
1: in the corner what what
3: turn it what turn it around for you what match
1: two thousand and eight SoCal pro wrestling that's all i've got to say what what particular match though um from the beginning january oh, man, every match i but I'm telling you yeah, I, I know we got a guest on the air and i just want to say this yes. real
3: quick though that adam Pierce a lot of people talk about him on the internet for what I read. I, I, I feel fortunate for those guys because in SoCal Pro, every month Adam Pierce is given insane quality matches that I shouldn't be able to watch for the amount of money that I pay. And mm-hmm. Adam Pierce, one of the best wrestlers in America. Let's, let's get to our guest.
1: That's no doubt. Well, On the line, I have Northern California super fan. Don't let it go to your head, germs. Jeremy Medeiros, <laughs> also known as Germs, the man, the myth, the legend. How you doing, brother? Welcome to Rubber garden
2: What's up? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? I haven't talked to you in years.
1: It's been, I'd say, about 11 to 12 years.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it has. Back in the good old days. And, and I, hope, I hope that's what we're going to talk a lot about tonight, because I, uh, I talk about it a lot in my head, and my wife is tired of listening to me talk about it. So I finally found somebody that I can vent to and talk the good old days of 1997 gym wars
1: with. The, that's that's how I, what I like to call my summer of love.
2: Oh, I love it—the glory years, the summer of love. I agree with all of it.
1: Fucking amazing stuff, amazing stuff. <laughs> um, so what was what was your first show for for APW? What was the first all pro wrestling show that you? Would well, know you know
2: be? what? The, the first—it's funny because I have a, a different history than a lot of APW fans do with APW because. A lot of fans, you know, they all all remember their first show. I'm sure you remember your first show. I remember my first show was in April of 97, but my my history with that garage and APW and it it goes back to 1992, believe it or not, and a lot of people think I just came on as a fan in 97 like everybody else, but I go back with APW to 92, which is the year that I graduated high school, and... um, and it was an APW at the time, it was actually called Pacific Coast Sports, and they had a training class, and I was 17 years old, and they had a training class for, to become wrestlers, it was like the original boot camp, mm-hmm. and, it was, and they, had a, a, they had an adult's camp, and they had a kid's camp, and the kid's camp was for ages 12 to 17 and what they did was they taught you the basics. I think they taught you a couple of back bumps in the ring, but it was a lot of, of uh, amateurish wrestling. And it was kind of to get started and becoming a pro wrestler. And back in 92, they had this, and I graduated high school, and I told my parents, I told my mom, I said, I'm going to be a wrestler. I want to be a wrestler. I'm 120 pounds, though. I graduated high school at 120 pounds, but I still wanted to be a wrestler because I'd, I'd loved wrestling my whole childhood. Actually, um, grew up watching it just like I'm sure we all we all did, but I, uh, I, I enlisted in the boot camp, which was at the time called the Pacific Coast Sports Training Camp, and I went there and I met Mr. Roland Alexander back in 92, who was a little bit smaller than he is now, and um, uh, I got in the ring with Roland, actually, and I was taking bumps with Roland, and Roland was taking the bumps and doing the rolls in the ring, and this is... A true story. I mean, you couldn't make this stuff up. This is a true story. And what happened was I ended up being the only person that signed up for this kid's camp, this teenager's wrestling camp. And I had paid my money, and I put my money down, and my deposit was in and everything. I was ready to, to get you know, get on the way to being a pro wrestler. And um, And the camp had to close because there was not enough interest. There was only one person that signed up, and that was me. And a lot of people want to, you know, they always talk about Rowland is so tight with the money, but I was a 17-year-old kid that had paid my my deposit in full, and Roland was he sat me down and he said, you know what, this is going to, we're going out of business here, we're closing this down, this Pacific Coast sports training camp, I'm going to give you your full refund, There's there's nothing we can do about it, there's not a lot of interest. But at the same time that they were having this kids camp, the adult camp was actually, I think it was actually doing pretty good business, because... I didn't know this at the time, but later on I found out that Robert Thompson was actually in that same camp. I think he's a couple, he might be three or four years older than me, so he would have been 20, 21, something like that. And he was actually in the adults camp. And there was other guys there. I, I remember going there, because uh, I could use the gym while I was enlisting, while I was getting ready for this kids camp to start. And I was allowed to use the gym, and I could use the weights, you know, try and bulk up to 122 if I could. And uh, I remember Jim Gorman was a teacher there. There was a guy named Andy Franks. He was called the East Coast Body Snatcher. And these were like really independent guys because this was like 1992, and the indie scene was totally dead out here. And um, so to make a long story short, though, um, what happened was I got my money back, and I had met Roland. I had been through all the stuff. I knew about the garage, and... I totally forgot about it. I went on to my great career working at the movie theater when I was 17 years old, and I said, I guess I'm not going to be a wrestler. I, I didn't really pursue it any more than that. I knew I had to wait a while until I grew up, and I, if I wanted to continue to be a wrestler. And I had to put on some pounds, too, of course. So um, <clears throat> what happened was uh, about four years later, uh, that would have been about 96, uh, I got connected to the Internet. Which was a big deal in my house because then you could connect with other wrestling fans, right? And um, and I was so excited because I found this thing called the AOL Grandstand Message Board. And uh, and when I heard about APW, it was wrestling in Hayward, California, and this was four years after that, I'd already been to that garage. And little did I know, APW started running shows in '95. So. I was a little behind already, but we got on the AOL grandstand message board and I started searching under the West Coast Indies folder and started talking with other APW fans and wrestling fans in the area. And everybody kept telling me, oh, if you're a wrestling fan, you've got to come down to this garage in Hayward and check these guys out. They've got, and they started throwing these names out there, Robert Thompson and Michael Modest. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And I had been going to the big-time shows because big-time uh actually, I guess I was on their mailing list, so they used to mail flyers to the mailbox, and I'd get these flyers for these big-time shows, and they would happen in Newark, I think, and, and Fremont, and different high schools out there.
4: Mm-hmm. And
2: so uh, I said, okay, well, we'll give this APW one a shot. People keep on talking about it, talking about it. Well, actually, the first time I saw APW with my own eyes... We went to a big time show, a big time wrestling show, and it was in, I think, I want to say Fremont. I think it was in Fremont, and this was in probably March of '97. And uh, they had a their typical big time show. They had Shane Cody and Johnny Payne and uh, all those guys on there. But then
1: Jason Styles was he around he,
2: here? Yeah, yeah, he was. Jason Styles was actually on a lot of those shows. I remember seeing Jason Styles years ago, too, when I was a teenager, actually. So I don't know how old the guy is, but I think when I was, like, 19 or 20. I...
1: <laughs> no matter what, he still looks good, and he can still do it.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, he's great. Anyway, you know And he's a guy that people, a lot of people want to classify as, like, a hobby wrestler because he doesn't try to get signed. But, man, that guy can put on a good show. And I don't know how old he is. He doesn't look his age, however old he is. And he's really stayed in one spot his whole career, but he's, he's great. He's a great wrestler. And um, so we were going to these shows, and I'm trying to think of other names that were on that big time. Oh, you know, they would bring in the typical – they'd bring in uh, Greg Valentine or – Tongue Tongue. Yeah, they'd bring in those type of guys back then. And then and – um, so anyway, so I guess they used some ATW wrestlers for, for that particular show, um, somewhere in mid-card, I think they used some APW talent, and the different, you know, and you know, big-time wrestling they don't run angles, long storylines drawn out over a number of shows, but mm-hmm. in Hayward at this garage, APW was doing that, and they had storylines going on, and they had angles with Manny Fernandez against Robert Thompson for the title, and they had the different angles with Jason Clay being the underdog and scoring an upset victory over Vic Grimes. And so at this big-time show, they continued with their storylines. So I remember uh, one of the matches was Jason Clay against Vic Grimes, and I was like, I've never seen these guys before, but these were the names that I was hearing about online. So Jason Clay wrestled Vic Grimes, and I automatically, I was like, oh, I love these guys. They were, not to bury the big-time wrestlers, but these guys were Another level, and especially at this time. You think back to 1997, Vic Grimes. He was on a different level than anybody in this area. And then you see, and then the, the, um, another match that was on there was Robert Thompson against Manny Fernandez. And I knew Manny Fernandez just from watching old NWA stuff, so we were excited to see him. And then at the end of the night, and you know what? They ended that that match, the Robert Thompson uh, Manny Fernandez match, ended I think when Manny powerbomb Robert through a table and busted his head open. He had, he's gushing off the top of his head. And, and like I said, this is 97, so this was like unheard of for pretty much anywhere except ECW. So it was a real big deal to see a table break. And and what they did was other wrestlers came running out of the audience. They were sitting in the crowd. It was Steve Rosano, Donovan Morgan, and all the other APW guys jumped in. They started a big ballyhoo and dumped everybody out. And it was a, just... This great storyline, this great angle, and I was so excited. And it was better than just a match-to-match thing that Big Time was doing back then. So I was, like, I was trying to pick out who was who. I was like, oh, I, that, I think that's Donovan Morgan. That must be Vic Grimes. I was so excited about this APW stuff because I, I got a small taste of them as a small part of this Big Time show. They were only two matches. So the next month, we said, we're going to this Jim Morris thing we're going back to the garage i know it's the garage and you know what actually while we were at that big time show that's when i put it together i think that it was the same roland alexander maybe because i remember seeing him in the crowd watching that big time show and i was counting the hot dogs that he was eating and i said oh that's the guy that that i was in the ring with that was going to be you know train me in that in that kids camp that i used to be in and so I, i was finally putting it all together so in so we said, we've got to go to this. It's back at this garage that I've already been to before, so we're going to go give it a shot. And to answer your question, a long answer to your question, my first show was in April 97, and the first memory that I have of it was, well, I have a lot of memories, but I know the, ma- the main event was Manny Fernandez and Robert Thompson. And Manny, I think it, I don't know if it was the show where Manny was bleeding like crazy or not, but it led up to that where Manny was getting busted in the, in the head with a chair and just bled the hard way, I believe. It was just disgusting. Manny bleeding all over the gym. And I remember the Falls Count Anywhere match with Donovan Morgan and Steve Rizzano, and they're fighting out in the parking lot and doing a backdrop in the, back, in the flatbed of a truck. And it was all so new and exciting to me, and especially to be seeing it with my own eyes and being so close to it, I was hooked instantly right there.
1: Mm. You know, at, at that time... Um, When I first started going to the shows, APW offered, they they had the Japanese strong style, they had the hardcore stuff, they, you know, they had the goofy shit with the women, they had, it was a complete, total product, and it was completely different. Um, The match that's burned into my head, uh, the the car shot heard around the world, Big Grimes and Aaron O'Grady, oh my God, that was like a schoolyard fight, where, you know, James, you were out there with us, you know, we surrounded these guys, you know, a human circle, and they were just going. Um, talk to me. What, what, what did you think of that match? I, um,
2: I, I, I have, and you know, as, as I was there and you were there and a lot of people that were there, and I guess there was there only could have been about 100 people that were there. Um, everybody that was there realizes that in 97, as you call it, the summer of love, that whole year, I think from early 97 to the, the end of the year, you could – really say that apw caught lightning in a bottle during that year mm-hmm. and if there was one defining moment where it was solidified that this was a big deal it was that night in july of 97 with the car sh- shot her around the world and you can't really explain it to people who were not there i don't think um i've shown it to, to family members on videotape i i've, I've Put it over to them. I've tried my. I said, "This is watch this. You got to see what happens here. You know, and they'll watch it and they'll think it's cool, but they won't get the gist of it. They don't understand how important it was. And I don't know if anybody that wasn't there ever will. So I could go on and on all night about how how great it was to just to be. And 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 you got to put a perspective that this was 1997, and this was a promotion that had no TV." So it's not, you know, everybody, you know, you talk about like the great days of Florida wrestling with Kevin Sullivan and Dusty Rhodes, and then there's the glory days of ECW in the mid-90s. and But they had TV. We didn't have any TV. We had guys running around with handheld cameras with the spotlight on them, hoping that we got this stuff on, ta- on tape. And whether or not we got it on tape to capture and to keep forever did not matter rep uh, was still going to hit Vic with that car for the 100 fans that were there. And that's what made it extra special. Not only were these guys putting on these matches that you couldn't even see on TV in front of just 100 fans or less sometimes, 50 fans sometimes, they were doing this crazy stuff that no one had ever seen before. Since you know, this is, I mean, you want to talk like liken it to uh, Eddie Gilbert hitting Jerry Lawler with the car. It was that big a deal to us. It was huge.
1: Yes, it was. I, I have to agree. And um, another one that sticks in my head is uh, Aaron O'Reilly and Michael Modest. Um, it was uh, a couple months before this one, and it was it wasn't storyline based. It was just going out and and putting on a Japanese wrestling clinic. They went for 25 minutes, and it was just a, a beautifully worked match, and just just amazing, and. Unbelievable. Um, yeah. I do remember the match I'm speaking of.
2: You know, it's, obviously. It's, I know. I know exactly the one you're talking about. And, and, um, you
1: too bad with me, but, you
2: know. And um, Yeah, I don't remember the date exactly on that one either, but um, another thing that made it so amazing, it's, it's kind of like when you have a uh, Super Bowl champion football team and the whole staff was amazing. Back then, the training then was so unreal because you had Rick Thompson and you had Michael Modest in most of the training, and then these guys that they trained and the way they trained them, Modest, and, and I love, that's why I love when you constantly bring up Modest's name as your favorite heel of all time in the independence, you because... You saw the heat, brother. You saw I, the heat together th- th-
1: at 7,500. It doesn't matter. But
2: I don't I think, think that guy gets defeated. enough
1: credit. He will very soon. He will very oh, soon, man. and that's all I'm saying. We were oh. not prepared to make any... Comments or announcements, okay. but he will be getting his due respect very soon.
2: He needs so. to because, yeah, he, he's – and he was our Hulk Hogan or he was, he was our Ric Flair of a time when we didn't have TV and we only had 100 viewers every two weeks. So it was a very small scale, but he was the Ric Flair, and you can only liken him to Ric Flair. If people didn't see Michael Modest in 97 – you need to liken him to someone that did see Ric Flair in the mid to late 80s and early 90s because that's how big a deal he was. And, and I know he's, different bridges have been burned in different places and people don't want you to say certain things about certain people. But to me, that's the greatest wrestler that's ever wrestled in that garage. And that's, and that's in there with... I mean, geez.
1: Daniel like, Daniel's in there, we've had, you know, I mean top to bottom, there's been some excellent talent. Yeah. And Mike has been the best wrestler to ever work in that garage. Thank and you. That's I'm glad shoot. you agree. That's a shoot. And you know, it's it's I Mike and I are friends, you know, we we've reconnected after twelve years. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that I'm saying just because that man I got my twenty dollars worth each time I went to the show. Oh yeah. You know, and he, oh, he, yeah. he entertained me for I mean, even days after. Constantly, we would just, my friends and I would just talk about it, and, uh, you know, a lot of people really didn't get it because, you know, like you said, there were maybe 100 people in the, in the stands there or in the seats, but the AOL grandstand, you know, it helped too. It's just a shame yeah. because that was major league shit. That was yeah. major league wrestling from top to bottom, and, it, it, you know, independent or not, it doesn't matter. That, we were the, East, the West Coast equivalent of ECW. You got the hardcore, you got the wrestling, you got the goofy shit, and everything. Every show was entertaining, even when Rick Turner worked. I hate Rick Turner. I have hated him, <laughs> but but he served his purpose, and it, it was part of the product, and it it, it worked top to bottom.
2: I yeah, there really wasn't it. anybody that didn't belong. And that's not like pointing a finger at, at promotions now or anything. That's just saying mm-hmm. there was a roster of guys, and you go down to, and everybody knew their role, and everybody played their role. Whether it was Frank Murdoch or Vic Grimes or somebody like Chris Cole, and they all, and Rick Turner, like you said, they all played their role, and they all did a great job of it. And like I said, it's catch—they caught lightning in a bottle for that year. The the, the years after, you go to '98 and '99, and they. They added a lot of great wrestlers to that roster. They added Boyce LeGrand and Vinny Massaro and Jardy France. And what great additions those were to this already amazing roster. But you also had to subtract. And guys had to get older. And it sucked. And it wasn't the same. And I love Jim Morris to this day. And But that's why I, I'm so glad that you are around and you're doing this great show and you talk about it. Because not a lot of people talk about it, and not a lot of people remember it, or have even seen it live, or even on tape, and that's why, I'm, I, that's why I was so privileged that you asked me to be on here to talk about this, because this, it was a big deal in my life, this 97, it was a big deal. Oh yes.
1: Now for uh, those that are listening, we are giving away a prize pack for my sponsor, WrestleWarehouse.com, um, Tokyo Dome 2004, Departure 2004, Pro Wrestling NOAA, who did... Michael Modis and Donovan Morgan beat in their match, and it was one hell of a match. If you have the answer, call in, 347-215-7946. I will give you a couple DVDs from SoCal Pro Wrestling, and I will give you a DVD with all 71 show archives of Rubber Guard. So uh, call in and answer that trivia question. Now, I'm going to put you on the spot, Germs. Okay. What is your favorite match all time that you've ever seen for APW.
2: Wow. Well, I think when you when you mentioned the car shot, I think that is kind of like the, the Dodger Sand version of Kirk Gibson hitting the home run against the A's to win the World Series. That's the ultimate answer for anybody, but it, it's so... That one is so far above everything else, I'm going to pick another one, and I don't know if you were there for the... I mean, I know you were around at that time, but I want to make sure that you were at the show was Halloween Hell won in 1997, and that was mm-hmm. Modest and Bomber, and that was when Rosano came in with the Richard Nixon mask, Rezano and ended, behind me. okay, okay, good, you were there, I, I, I thought mean, I figured I you were won probably there,
1: contest. I won the oh, okay, <laughs> like oh, that's right, <laughs>
2: okay, okay, good, okay, you were there, <laughs> I mean, there's yeah, there's so a long list so. of them. Um, like, but those are the that's another one that sticks out. And I, Vic and Lep, uh, uh Aaron O'Grady and Vic Grimes in the car shot match was probably number one. And then I would say, Modest and Bomber, at uh, Halloween Hell one, which was October of '97, um, when Rosano interfered. I think that that would probably be second. But there are so many other ones. Like you said, you mentioned the Aaron O'Grady-Michael Modest match, and then there was a three-way match with Cole, Morgan, and O'Grady that mm-hmm. went a that full 30 my, minutes. That
1: was my first show.
2: Oh, the, the three-way was really dance good. was your first show?
1: Yeah, yeah that oh. was my first show, where we were, we were yelling for five more minutes.
2: Yeah, and, and was, now, I know, see, now I know how you got hooked. <laughs> there
1: you go. Now, I'll, I'll tell you what my favorite, my favorite APW match did not take place in the garage. It was in oh, okay. 98. It was a house show in Hayward. And they, for some reason, one of the cameramen didn't show up. And Roland, I, Roland asked me if I could film the match. And I said, sure. And the match was Christopher Daniels against Michael Modest. And there were two matches that they had, one in 98 and one in 99. And both of them get just – they're on so many, so many uh, uh, compilation tapes and everything. I know they're on uh, one from the Death Valley Driver. And oh, okay. I remember this match because I was there, I was filming, and I, I made sure I did the close-up because the other guy filming did, the, did it from, from afar, and I was doing the close-up stuff. And Christopher Daniels did a dive out of the ring, and I saw him setting up for the dive, so I took a couple steps back, and I filmed him running in the ring completely over the ropes, nailing the plancha, and it was just a, a beautiful work of art. And I haven't been. I know it's it's out there. I can't seem to 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 get it, but you know that match in '98, January was just just amazing stuff, and that uh, that was the epitome of of uh, of their work, and it was just a, a great match. and And you guys need to go out of your way to get it. Um, it may even be on Click Wrestle, um, might be. So it's worth checking out. Or I know you can get it from uh, from AllProWrestling.com. I'm not sure if it's on DVD, but I know they have it VHS. So uh, I'm pretty sure you remember that one. You there, Germs? Mm. Okay, I think I lost Germs. Let's pull up the board here. Okay. Germs, are you on? Okay, I lost Germs. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, disconnect Germs, and we'll get him to call back in. Uh, let's... Uh, Let's plug our sponsor, uh, WrestleWarehouse.com. Wrestling DVDs, Lucha Libre masks, a bunch of everything. Um, You know, if you need it, they got it. There will be some big news coming out from uh, WrestleWarehouse very soon. We're we're not quite uh, ready to announce it yet, but there will be an announcement coming within the next few weeks um, regarding uh, new merchandise. So, uh... Yeah, once again, um, we're waiting for Germs to call back in. Uh, Okay. Jeremy, are you on the air? Okay, my board, for some reason, is acting funky, so I'm going to reload it. Um, Yeah, TNA tonight. uh, Looks like there's there's two uh, World X Cup matches. Um, Kazarian is in there with half of uh, Los Guerreros, and the other uh, member of Los Guerreros is uh, also scheduled to appear. I don't remember against who. So... Bear with me, guys. I'm loading up my board for some odd reason, it's running really slow. Uh, okay, let's see what we got here. Uh, load the board, load the board. Uh, Fogcitywrestling.com, uh, they have some major announcements coming. Uh, okay, I guess that's – okay, we have germs. All right, germs hey. got cut off. am sorry. Yeah, that, yeah. Okay, we back yeah. now? Yeah, I was uh, talking about Modest and Daniels, January 98. Um, were you okay. there for the house show?
2: Yeah, I was. And was that – now, where was that? Was that in San Jose?
1: Oh, no. That was – the San Jose match was in 99, if I remember right. Okay. I think this one Shoot. was at uh, high school in Hayward.
2: Okay, I remember okay. Right. And know, that I was I the one where you were the, the cameraman. cameraman. Okay, I know what I you're know, talking about. Cameraman.
1: Yeah, that was good stuff, where uh, Max Justice chokeslams someone through a table.
2: Ah, yeah. Yeah, that's a guy we haven't talked about yet is Max Justice and how well, much he meant to... He's uh, <laughs> a and, <laughs> and, and when you're at Jim wars, you're so close to all the action and you're sitting so close to this wrestling. And if you've never had a front row seat, which not a lot of us have, this is a big deal to sit that close where you can just reach out and touch the ring and be so close to these guys hitting so hard. And then someone like Max Justice comes in and... If you think, like, you know, people say wrestling is fake. It's it's choreographed. It's predetermined. No Nobody cared about, nobody was thinking about that when that guy got in there. He was brutal, and he was not safe with anybody, whether it was his opponent or whether it was fans. This guy was a legitimate badass, and he was probably... I, other than Modest, the best world uh, universal heavyweight champion that we had. His reign with Shane Dynasty as his manager was a lot of fun to watch.
1: Mm-hmm. When they were killing Jimmy Rip.
2: And oh, Martin yeah.
1: Grand. Oh,
2: geez. And he would hit so, that backdrop it? where they go 30 feet in the air. Let's
1: see here. Where is it? Okay. The mat, the date for the Aaron ogrady Vic Grimes car shot was seven eighteen
2: ninety seven. Okay, and July, yeah, yeah.
1: The Modest Morgan was uh, Halloween night, 1997. Okay. And I have another date here. Let's see. The, those matches actually made the Death Valley Driver top matches of the 90s for the Indies.
2: Oh,
0: okay. So, that's pretty. And cool. I know, right. and you know what?
2: I was listening to your show when um, I think it was when Marcus was on. Mhm. And um, and you were talking about the. Vic Grimes and Modest match where he T-boned uh, Modest through the door. Yep. And, that, and that was in 97 also, but that was the, the one match that year after I started going that I did not make it to. So I oh, never saw yeah. that. A lot of people and talk about the,
1: yeah, the tape win, that doesn't
2: exist, and I never saw yeah. it. I don't even know what you guys are talking about. No,
1: <laughs> I, I have stories for you. Now, the Evolution Pro <laughs> guys were up there. They They worked. Super Dragon and all those other guys worked. And the guy selling the RevPro merchandise was Disco Machine. <laughs> and, and also, Taro made his uh, pro debut oh. as a quote-unquote mini against Ultimo Dragon Cito. And <laughs> I, right. I had Taro on the show, and I'm all, dude, I was at your debut. He's all, what, really? You were there? I said, yeah, yeah, I was there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the show I missed. That was the one that I missed. And I actually, I think it was in 99... Is when I purchased the entire library uh, from '95 till '99, and then from then on, well, from '99 to 2001, I videotaped them myself. But from in '99, I purchased every tape in the APW library, and I made copies of them. I've got them on DVD, and that's the one spot that's missing is that show with with Modest and Grimes and the in the not the car shot, but the, the door shot heard around the world, yeah, I guess you would say. It was, it was Mr. where Grimes, Grimes
1: pulled the door off, right? And then, you know, he was going to try to hit Mike or whatever, and, and Mike saw T-Bone, and that was it, dude. It was just amazing. <laughs> and what, what made the spot really cool was that Mike, you know, wrestling is hardcore. He's the anti-hardcore guy. So, right. And, and the thing is, you could talk about it all day till you're blue in the face, but there is no visual proof. Right, right. Which is amazing.
2: I can only imagine it. And the things that Vic Grimes did to his body during that time oh, in front of 50 fans, fire and tables and falling off balconies and everything. It's its right, well, hard to you, describe. You
1: brought up Grimes. You brought up Grimes. Mm-hmm. Let's, uh, let's tell the tell the fans out there
2: about the two times
1: that he killed J.R. Benson.
2: Okay. Oh, that's right. Well, he did not want The first time he did it, I, I hadn't been going yet. That was before I went. I think that must have been... March of '97, maybe or earlier, and I hadn't been going to APW, and I had heard all the stories about how he propped J.R. Benson, who was about a 130-pound guy, up on the table and climbed up that garage door, which had to be maybe 30 or 40 feet in the air, and just took a straight tumble. And I was talking to my brother the other day about this, and we were saying, Mick Foley is is always known as the craziest bumper of all time, but. His stuff was a lot safer, if you can say that, and he's not safe in any sense, except that he was a lot safer than Vic. Vic was just really insane with the things he did. He didn't care if there was mats or if it was concrete, and he would just fall. He wouldn't do a tumble. He wouldn't do a perfect jump. He would just fall, And, and the way he hit JR, where he kind of rolled off him and took a lot of the impact, but, I don't know, JR is just as crazy as Vic for laying there. And then he did it again, where he wrapped him in barbed wire and dumped crickets in his mouth and put a pumpkin on his head, I think, and did it again. That
1: was awesome. So, yeah. That was good, good stuff, TV good memories.
2: The summer of love, no doubt.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Vic Grimes.
1: There's another guy. You know, he, <laughs> he, did the, he, he did the Memphis thing, and I followed him yeah. the way. You know, I made sure that every yeah. week I got my Memphis TV tapes and and, and it, was
2: like a, it was like a family member had gotten called up when him and, and Aaron O'Grady went to Memphis. Exactly. And we watched them in the tryout in Davis, and we watched them go on up the ladder, and we watched them make their debuts. And you know, it's like you're sending your kids off to college.
1: Do you have the tryout match?
2: Was, was I there?
1: Do you have it? Oh yeah, I have it. The the oh, okay. the one from Davis. Yeah, that was yeah. great. Yeah. You know they got yeah, signed right and, on the spot. Because I mean, and they're doing
2: stuff like uh, he set him up. He set him up in the chair. Uh, Vic set Aaron O'Grady up in the chair out at ringside and dove over the top rope and smashed that chair. And how many tryout matches do you see something like that? Even even in the days of the hardcore stuff in the late '90s and even today, you don't see that with someone trying out. You know, you don't want to show up anybody usually. But man, they tore that place apart that night too.
1: So. Uh, b- before we move on to any more stories, um, do you still go to shows at all?
2: You know what? I, I, I in 2005 I became a father, and that takes up about 90% of my time. And I've I, I was doing the play-by-play for AW from 2002 until '06. For like four years, I did about 60 shows, play-by-play, and then after that. I haven't been as regularly as I used to, but I'm gonna start going back because I love doing the play by play and I love helping out any time any way that I could. But I definitely don't go as regularly as I used to, but I will get back into it very soon because I wanna I wanna get back in there, I wanna help out more, I wanna do the play by play with anybody that'll have me really. It's it's so much fun doing that stuff. I had a great time doing it there
6: and I had a lot of different
2: great uh color commentary partners and um, it was just a good time, but I don't go to a lot of the shows. I am planning on going to the next, not the next one, which is actually uh, this weekend, is the Gym Wars on the 12th, but the next one in August I'm going to go to. And that will be my first time back in quite a while. Do
1: you, go to, do you go to any other shows? Do you go to Big Time or Fog City? or? Uh, yeah, I've made, it's really rare. I
2: haven't seen Fog City at all. And I've only heard good stuff about them, and a lot of people are comparing them to the mid-90s Gym Wars. And they're saying it has that kind of atmosphere and that kind of effort, yeah, and that's a real compliment. And uh, that, that just shows me that I've got to see them live, uh, probably
1: you to do. appreciate
2: them, just like, uh, now, just like um, APW.
1: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put out an invite, okay? Um, I'm having a friend up from San Diego on the 18th, which is a Friday night for big-time wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to have a mini APW reunion with uh, Tony Jones will be there, the Ballards, and a couple other guys. I am inviting you to come to the show. Come by, let's hang out.
2: Okay, this is big time on the 18th.
1: The 18th in Newark.
2: Yeah, that sounds good.
1: How's this? How's this? Why don't you ask your wife and see if she'll let you come?
2: <laughs> okay, I'll call you back tomorrow and let you know. I'll get back to you, you before I say it, before I give you a solid yes. No, no, that sounds good. That that would be a lot of fun. See? And so yeah, and I see a lot of our guys are. Uh, like Tony Jones and the Ballard Brothers and those guys are wrestling a lot of different spots and it's, it's hard to catch up with those guys now so actually that would be something that I would do because I would like to see those guys again
1: cool we're, uh, we're going to do we're going to meet at the building about 5.30 and uh, they're going to do whatever they have to do and then we're going to go to Cattleman's for you know, good old prime rib because if you're going to to go to okay. Cattleman's <laughs> you know that's what you Yeah. so it, it is an open invitation I, I would love to you know hook up with you again and you know, we can, uh, you know, reminisce and, and, you know, speak on that with, uh,
2: with the writers
1: okay. and the shooter. And, you know, who the hell else knows who's going to be there, you
2: know. Yeah, okay. That sounds good. Thanks. Thanks for the invite. And yeah, so um, uh, and if I go to that, that'll, yeah, that'll be my first show. I, I went to the big-time show on my birthday a couple of years ago. It was a show that Jerry Waller was at, and that was the last time I've been to a big-time show. So that might be fun. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, they have, uh, on top, it's uh, Relic, who used to be with TNA. He'll be challenging right. Jason Styles. Should be fun. Um, Puma is booked against uh, Ryan Von Kuhl. Cool. Um, who else? Uh, I don't know if they have the girls this time, and the Ballards are broken up in big time. So one's a heel, one's a baby face. Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> so who knows what's going to happen, but... You know, it's going to be a very, very fun weekend. Um, right. And, I mean, I am completely, completely busy that weekend. But that will be spoken on another time. But, uh so, we've seen really good matches for All-Pro. Let's talk about some of the duds. Were there any matches, <laughs> and I don't want you to bury anybody, but just some matches that just didn't work.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of matches where, where guys just didn't gel, and it, and it really sticks out when it's a match that you were looking forward to, mm-hmm. and it just didn't. The guys just didn't gel, and I think, and, and and I don't know. I don't know if it was just the chemistry of '97 or the booking of the guys, but none of those matches come to mind because under, undercard guys played their undercard role well, and the midcard guys knew where they were supposed to be and they played their best. And the main eventers were the main eventers. As it went later on, a lot of guys were uh, not so much being rushed through the boot camp because they do take do a good job of taking their time with APW training. But they were given a lot of guys uh, big pushes right out of the gate. And I can recall a few matches where guys showed up for the main event uh, their first time and and you know weren't. It was nothing special. I remember,
6: I don't want to, you know, I don't want to bury any
2: names, but there's guys out there that, <laughs> that didn't thrill me too much. <laughs> okay,
1: I do have a caller on the line from the 781 area code. Welcome caller, whom am I speaking with?
0: Oh, uh, my name is AG and I host War Radio.
1: How you doing brother? What's going on?
0: Um, not much you guys, but you guys are talking about the BTW show? Yes sir. Um, is Radio 2G on that show?
1: You know what? I'm not sure if LTP is coming up. I I'm not sure, but let's pull up the big time, big time website. We'll see if we get a line up there. Um, well, so I, I, I w- w- now I got you on the line. Um, can you answer my trivia question?
0: I can try, I guess.
1: Okay. Seven fifteen two thousand four. Noah, Tokyo Dome. Michael Modis and Donovan Morgan defeated what team?
0: Ouch. Um. I'm going to guess that one of them is too cold Scorpio.
1: Nope, you're wrong. Oh, uh,
0: then I have
1: no idea. <laughs> nope, nice try. But we, d- we do have the big-time side up here. We have the lineup for the 18th. The main event, Jason Styles will be defending the BTW title against the former TNA worker, Relic. And in the semifinal for the Cruiserweight title, Puma challenging Ryan Von Cool. Tag titles, Hop Singley and Lampereur, who is awesome. I love him. Challenging Shoot the Thrill for the tag belts, we have a ladies' match, Battle of the TNA Knockouts, Gail Kim and Tracy Brooks. Tremendous. And this match here should steal the show. Shannon Ballard against Old School Oliver John. And we have Chico Navarro against Shane Ballard. And in the opener, my dog, Vinny Massaro against Mother Truck and Otis. You can get all information at bigtimewrestling.com or btwrestling.com. Uh, come on out. Say hi to KZ. I'll be in the house. Uh, SoCal Pro Wrestling and Wrestle Warehouse's Jeff Dino will be in the house. So uh, come on out and check us out. How's that yeah. for a hard plug?
0: I cannot come out there.
1: Well, that's that's a shame. W- where are you living, brother?
0: Oh, Massachusetts.
1: Oh wow, you're way out there. The East Coast. <laughs> East Coast. Well, you know what? Now that you uh, you called in, you want to plug your show?
0: Um sure. Um well I have my first live show I just had last night. Um Hello. we had Roddy Piper on the show. Wow. Yeah, tough to get a hold of. Um, I guess www war uh, blog slash wa radio. Oh, Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, we're having OVW's Star Maker Kenny Bolin.
1: Tremendous.
0: And Tremendous. we have a whole bunch of other big guys coming on very soon. Oh, uh, Manny Fernandez, Al Snow, Dave Hebner, um, Sexy Eddie. Oh, Ricky Vega, aka Machete, Brent Albright, Slick, uh, and Jeez, JD Michaels dude. will be on very soon. I'm also in talks with Diamond Dallas Page.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks for calling in, and you know it's good to see that we have another blog talk show on the air. Um, the more the merrier, brother. If, but uh, if you I will definitely, uh, I'll definitely check out your show tonight. You know, I'll download it and give it a good listen. Uh, do you have a MySpace or a website?
0: Um, I have a MySpace right now. The website should be up very soon. It's, mm-hmm. I believe it's www.myspace.com slash W-A-Radio. And, um, if you want to hit me up there, then maybe we could talk about a possible affiliate thing, so when we get the site up.
1: Awesome. All right, thanks for calling in, brother, and I will be in contact.
0: All right, I guess I'm going to keep listening to a great show of Rubber Guard Radio. Thank you, sir. Adios. Wow, look at that, We're over. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Terms.
2: That's good. Yeah. That's good.
1: All, right. All the way in Massachusetts. Well, since no one's answered the trivia question, what's the answer?
2: Uh, you know what, I haven't uh, you say it's July of four,
1: mm-hmm. So I'm
2: thinking it's gotta be uh Ricky Marvin
1: mm-hmm.
2: with um Guitaro. Oh okay. I knew okay.
1: Great man. Good question. The, the little juniors and Mike and Donovan
2: were just... Yes, pumped. you stumped you and you stumped me. Very good. Hmm.
1: Good stuff. Well, we got about uh, five minutes or so. Okay. So, um, but we are definitely going to have to have you on again. I think we're going to do a do an APW reunion roundtable. Oh, you. I love it. And you know what? I want to come
2: on and talk more about... Because there was so much good stuff going on also in 99 and 2000 and even today. And a lot of the guys that have branched off a lot of the fans that we used to be fans sitting there with us that have branched off and done different things in the business. And and I have a lot of other stuff that I would love to talk about. So this has been a lot of fun and it's been great to relive some of the old stories and and the old glories of APW in the 90s, the mid-90s. Good stuff. A lot of fun.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for coming on, germs. Uh, Anybody want to contact you and and discuss, you know, anything in the world of all-pro wrestling or yeah,
2: anytime, yeah. I'm, I'm, I guess I have one of those MySpace things. I'm your buddy on there, so you can just look for germs on MySpace and give me a message, send me a message. If you want to talk about APW, I'm, I'm down to talk about it. The good old days, anybody that was, there, was at those shows um, or anybody that wants to uh, talk about anything going on nowadays. Like I said, I'm going to get back into it real soon. I'm going to be a lot more visible in the coming years. Um, and uh, as long as my wife lets me... But, uh, yeah, everything's good, and, and I'm having a lot of fun here at home being a family man anyway, but um, that's about it.
1: All right, brother. Well, uh, thanks for coming on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to knock you off so I can plug my sponsors and all that fun. Okay. So, thanks. Jeremy, thanks for coming on, man. It was my pleasure. All right, KZ. You know, take care. All right, brother. Take it easy now. Wow. Okay, that was uh, Jeremy Medeiros, also known as Germs, the man, the myth, the legend of uh, Northern California independent wrestling. Wow, we had Vito on for an hour, and we had germs on for almost an hour. Good stuff. Uh, let's run down the sponsors, fogcitywrestling.com. Keep your eyes peeled to fogcitywrestling.com. They have some uh, major announcements coming. Also, we have wrestlewarehouse.com, where you can get uh, wrestling DVDs, Lucha Libre masks, T-shirts. Um, you can also get SoCal Pro Wrestling DVDs. I suggest any show from, ni- from 2008. Adam Pierce has been tearing it up all year, SoCal Crazy, Chimera, uh, Jason Redondo, I mean these guys are just tearing it up, and they also have a show coming this Saturday, uh, SoCalProWrestling.com, you'll be able to get all the information, it's in Oceanside, California, outside San Diego, um, to be honest, I don't remember the lineup, but we have Jason Redondo defending the title, his title against Joey Ryan. And we have scrap iron Adam Pearce defending the NWA World Heavyweight title against Tommy Wilson. Uh, you can hit us on MySpace, myspace.com backslash Radio. Uh, you can get our show archives. First half of the archives are at rubberguardradio.com. We have to get that updated. And you can get the other half of our, our archives at blogtalkradio.com backslash rubberguardradio. And you can hit me with a personal email k-i-d-z-o-m-b-i-e 2000 at aol.com if you're a fan, worker, ref ring announcer, promoter, whatnot, MMA fighter uh, hit me up man we'll we'll gladly get you on the show and also just to uh, let the people know after next week uh, we will be going to strictly Thursdays one show a week due to me starting a new job so but uh, yeah we'll we'll be packing in episodes so Uh, that should be about it from here let's have some leaving music